Hey, my name is Matt. Um, I'm usually not up here. I'm usually behind the, uh, the guitar um, where Paul was at this morning. They did an awesome job this morning. Didn't the worship team do an awesome job? Come on, can we just show them some love? They don't need me to sound good. They sound good. Hey, it's really cool to, to be with you and speaking with you this morning. Um, I just wanted to share something with you uh, today. Or what we're going to talk about is something that we're actually, to, to be honest with you, I'm so bad at. Like, I am bad at what I am talking about. Because so, if you know that, like, I am, like, kind of bringing you something this morning, know that, like, I'm the first one that I'm speaking to this morning. Because we're talking about something that we tend to avoid. We tend to run away from. We tend to distract ourselves from. Pretend like doesn't exist. Run away in the opposite direction from. To this morning, we're talking about how to have hard conversations and deal with conflict in the right way. And so, uh, yeah, if you know anything about me, that's probably something you don't associate with me. I'm usually the dude who loves you. Yo, give me a hug, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, dab me up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's me. I'm not the, you know, we have to talk. That's just not me. But I'm just telling you this morning, I hope you get something because really I got a lot from this and I just want to share my thoughts about uh, this morning. I just want to kind of introduce our, this thought to you with a story. Um, everybody here at once was at, in sixth grade. And when you were in sixth grade, like me, you thought that you knew everything, that you were totally independent, that the $20 that your mom gave you that's now residing in your Velcro wallet in your back pocket is enough to sustain you. Uh, so me as a sixth grader, um, I decided to become cool and like coffee. Does anybody like coffee? Okay. Like, like coffee. Because there's people who enjoy coffee. And there's people who are like monsters without it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like as hype as I am without my morning cup of coffee or my afternoon cup of coffee or my four o'clock cup of coffee. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I decided in sixth grade, because everybody who liked coffee at one point before we liked coffee took a sip and thought it was gross. So I'm trying to like, you know, wean my way into the situation in sixth grade. So me and my friends, we were at this church function at a church that wasn't our home church. We knew that there was a Dairy Queen right down the road. So as we were waiting for our parents, we thought, you know, because we're independent and we're sixth graders, we knew what, what, we knew what was up. We we're going to walk down a whole half mile to Dairy Queen, get our moo lattes. I don't know if they sell them anymore, but they sold this like ice cream coffee. Like it was like, like the, uh, it was like whipped cream with a little bit of coffee in it. Basically, essentially what it was. So we decided to, you know, get our cool. We, we go to Dairy Queen with that $20 that my mom gave me, crisp $20 cash. You know, I have money. But whatever. Uh, so, you know, get our moolattes. We're walking back. And then, so on the, the walk back, it's kind of like a, a really small, we're walking on a road. So it's a really small shoulder, like probably four feet of shoulder on the road. So skinny road, smaller road, small shoulder. So we're just like, like single file walking down this like, you know, dangerous road as sixth graders because we know what was up. And so we're just, you know, walking down, sipping our mulattes, thinking we're all that. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we see this Jeep Cherokee just because there's no shoulder, just pull right into somebody's front yard in front of us. And we're like, uh, what's going on? Then one of my friends who is with me, Jordan's dad, 
stepped out of the vehicle and he said, why are you putting yourself in a situation where you are in danger? Get in this car right now. So as a sixth grader, as a sixth grader, I was like, yo, Jordan's dad, helicopter parent, like, come on, yo. And as an adult, or even as a 24-year-old, sometimes I don't think I'm an adult, but as a 24-year-old, I, I'm like looking at that situation and I'm like, whoa, that's a terrible situation. That's extremely dangerous with cars whizzing by four feet from like my left shoulder. You know, that's a terrible situation. Uh, but see, that's the, that's the difference of, of perspective though. As a sixth grader, I totally thought that was fine. You know, I'd go walk down to Dairy Queen. We're independent. We can do that. As an adult, I realize that's putting myself in a situation. So when we're talking about hard conversations today, we're actually talking about differing like viewpoints and how to bring each other to the viewpoint that really should be the right one to the value system that is common. And we actually get to see Jesus do this and he's the master at it. And I'm excited to just break down the story with you this morning. Is anybody else excited for that? To hear from God's word. I'm pumped, man. I love it. So let's, let's, let's open the Bible. Mark 10, 17 is where we're coming out of. Mark 10, 17 um, through 22 is where we're going to get our main stuff. So you can follow along on the screen. You can, you can grab a Bible from underneath the seat in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, please, please, please take one. Uh, or if you even don't really fully understand the translation that you have of your Bible, take a Bible anyway. We they're yours for the taking. Um, Mark 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. And so this man, real quick, let's talk about this man for a second. In another gospel account, he was described as a religious leader. So this dude, this dude is like rich. Like he has that nice watch. He has that nice car. He got that nice house. He owns that business that you're like, hmm, okay. Like, this dude is not like a Uber driver, if you feel me. Sorry if I offended you for Uber drivers. I actually Uber drove at one point in my life, so please don't take that offensively. This dude is not, like, poor, like, by any stretch of the imagination. This guy has everything he needs, like, like Maserati and Rolex and other rich stuff. I don't even know. Jay's on his feet. I don't, I don't even know what else he got. He got it all, though. So this, he runs up to him, and he says this, and continuing on, could you throw that up on the screen for me? He says, um, he knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so right there, we actually get a picture into his value system. He's saying, like, he's basically saying, like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Basically saying, like, what is there something that I need to do, Jesus, to inherit eternal life? Because back in that time, just to, just to give you some context, back in that time, they actually, if you were rich, you were seen as blessed by God. So this dude was saying like, hey, Jesus, like, I know you're probably the son of God or something like that. I'm blessed. I can tell you're blessed. What, am, am I doing everything I need to do? Like, am I dotting, you know, I just want to make sure, dot all my I's, cross my T's. I just want to make sure, Jesus, that I am doing everything so that I can see you in heaven one day. Which you can kind of see, you know, what's wrong with that. Um, 
you know, value system because he was, he was finding value basically in what he had. That's essentially what he was doing. He's asking the wrong question. And he's basically asking, what can I do, Jesus, for you to value me? And there's this cool quote. Um, Bob Hazlett, or Hazlitt came here um, January. He spoke. Um, he's a great prophetic speaker. He, he wrote a book called Roar. And it says, this is the quote. I love this quote. Um, God rarely answers the questions we want him to. He usually creates a scenario that causes us to ask him the question that he wants us to answer. So we're going to see Jesus do that today. He's not saying, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to create a scenario where you're actually asking the correct question. And really when we, when we have conflict with one, one another, we have to bring each other, make sure we're on the same level playing field, same value system, same thing that we're actually you know, working towards. That's basically what we do when we have a tough conversation. So verse 18 says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. See, this actually, this, this puzzled me, to be honest with you. Because um, he just basically, on service value, Jesus basically said, like, he's not good. And if, Jesus, if you didn't say you're, if you're not good, like, I'm out of a job. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of trouble for me, Jesus. Like, this whole, like, thing that we're doing here, Jesus, is kind of based on the fact you're good. So what's the deal with that, Lord? Um, okay. So he's saying, basically like, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. He's, he's saying, like, only God is truly good. He's saying that based, young man, based on your value system of doing things equaling God's favor, I'm not even good. Because there's nothing I did that actually earned God's favor. And he actually kind of foreshadows a little bit. It's so cool. We get to see this from one statement. He's foreshadowing that, like, I will do something that will be the work that takes care of all work that ever needs to be done for all of eternity, but I haven't done it yet. I will go to the cross and die for you, take away the sin of the world, but I haven't done it yet. And so, so he's saying, like, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Based on that standard, uh, he is not essentially good. So the first point is this. Um, my main point of today, which I totally kind of skipped by, care enough, I was just pumped, care enough to, to confront. Can you guys repeat that? Care enough to confront. That's the main point of today. First sub point of today, because I like to do that, you know, three thing. Number one, don't call out call up. So don't call somebody out. Call them up to your value system. Call them up to the standard that God wants them for them. Call them up to the place where you believe God wants for their life. Don't call them out because we get, we get called out happy, don't we, in our life? It started with the internet, how we just like, you know, this is wrong. And whatever is, that's false. And you could just say basically whatever you want and have no repercussions for it. You can call people out without ever having a relationship with them ever. And so Jesus is saying, don't call people out. Call them up to your value system. Because Jesus cared enough to confront this young man. So he is calling him now up. And so when in a crucial conversation that we're having, uh, maybe 
you know, opinions vary, emotions are, are strong, stakes are high. Uh, and I don't know, maybe you're in the middle of one or maybe you should have one. Uh, in, those, in those crucial hard conversations that we need to have, um, we need to call people up to the standard of goodness that Jesus holds. And too often we say things like, uh, like it's probably not worth the trouble. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, what's another thing? Uh, I don't want to sound judgy. I don't want to judge anybody. Why, why, would I, why would I intrude in their life? You know, who am I to judge? Uh, I wouldn't do that or anything like that. And see, either we feel like either we face it head on and stir it up or we back away and bottle it up. Those are, I feel like those might be the two options that we think that we have. But there's another way. There's a better way to confront. There's a, a way that Jesus said it. And like, see, I'm the kind of person like that literally, if a, if a server asks me how my food is and I hate it, I tell them I love it. You know, I just don't want to stir anybody's, anybody up. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And there's some people in this room that are like, if they don't like their food, they tell the server, uh, yeah, this isn't really what I was expecting. You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of people. So there's kind of two different people that we see. There's people who lean towards grace first, and there's people who lean towards truth first. I'm the kind of person that leans towards grace first. And so actually there's an interesting distinction that um, uh, one of my favorite pastors, Stephen Furtick, he wrote a blog post about this specific thing, grace versus truth. Uh, and John 1.14 actually says, we have seen his glory, speaking of Jesus, full of grace and truth. So Jesus actually uses grace and truth together. I'm going to read you this, a part of this blog post. I think it's really sweet. People often excel at being either gracious or truthful. The gracious person tends to be accepting, quick to forgive, ready to reconcile with others. They might, they want to make things right. However, if truth is not in play, the grace-only person will be inclined to push it under the carpet, leave room to keep it bottled inside, or pretend like injustice has never happened. Grace-only people will dismiss the problem instead of addressing it. Practically, this person who always makes excuses and refuses responsibility either for themselves or for others, second chances become a crutch. So that's the grace-only person. And then there's the other side of that, the truth-only person. And this blog post addresses that as well. The truth-only person tends to be ethical, upfront when it comes to others. They want to make things right. Yet if grace is not in play, the truth-only person will focus on the issue to the extent they view people as problems. The truth-only person will hold ugly grudges, set unrealistic expectations, and often forget their own faults in their witch hunts. They are often too forceful and inflammatory to fix the problems. Practically, this looks like someone who is impossible to please and hard to get along with. He is dogmatic and has to win every argument, and her critical eye will never cut anybody slack. Here's the thing. That's the grace-only person. I think you kind of know which way you're leaning this morning. And if you're married, usually, like, the other person leans the opposite. So that just, you know, provides some great tension in the household. Uh, Yeah, if you feel me there. But we need a grace 
plus truth approach. And a way that I kind of, just like a down-to-earth image that I like to have it, is a, we can't serve up a truth sandwich. Like a grace, truth, grace. Like you're great, you stink, but you're great. Like, wait, was that the compliment sandwich? You know, same, same thing. Yeah. No. Come on. We need, think of this this morning, and I'm sorry if it makes you a little hungry at noon, a marinated steak. Truth is the steak. Marinated in grace. So there's grace all up in it, flowing from it. When you cut in that, when you cut into that, uh, that juicy conversation that you're going to have, <laughs> this is just getting weird. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there'd, be great, there'd be grace flowing out of it. Yeah, okay, I'm done with that illustration. That was really bad. Uh, looked better in my notes. That was weird. Okay. Because uh, here's, what, here's what Jesus didn't say to the rich young man. He said, he didn't say like, hey, let me stop you right there. The way you view yourself is by your stuff, and that's wrong. He didn't say that. He called the person up. He kind of just placed his finger on the issue. He called them up. He didn't call them out. He called them up to his standard. And in verse 19, he kind of just finishes the thought. He says this. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must, you must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anybody. Honor your father and mother. And he actually names right there the, the, the commandments that only have to do with you doing things. The works-based commandments. Because that's the system of value that this guy has. He has a works equals God's blessing value system. And so Jesus basically calls it out. He establishes the rich young ruler's form of love for Jesus as following commandments and not following Jesus. Jesus, he leaves out the Ten Commandments that have to do with a relationship with God because he's testing the values that the guy had because the rich guy had his value in who he was or in, in the things that he had and not who he was. And so when we confront somebody, we actually have to call them up to the system of value, the value system that they need to have. That's what we do when we call them up. And see, here's the deal. Like, we, we think, like, they should know what they're doing wrong. They are the worst. They really hurt me, and they should know. Honestly, truthfully, if we look at the story, they probably don't know. That person who hurt you really bad probably doesn't know that he hurt you really bad or she hurt you really bad. Like, he, they probably don't realize it because that's their system of value that they have. They're just acting out of it. So when we call somebody out of that value system that's, that's, that's negative, that's, that's aggressive or arrogant— We're actually saying, hey, you need to not live there. You need to live where Jesus is at, the system of value that he has for you. And so he points to the issue without fixing the result. Truth marinated in grace. Verse 20, he says, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed these commandments since I was a kid. He said, yo, Jesus, this is child's play. Are you serious? Are you serious? Because, like, are you, because, well, I came to you thinking that I needed to do something really special to earn salvation. And you're saying all the stuff that I've always done. Ah, okay, whatever, Jesus. I thought you were a lot better than you were. Guess not. Because, see, here's the deal. And even in our culture, we kind of just make what we do who we are. Like, if you meet somebody, hi, my name is, what do you do? 
it's the second question. You know, what's your job? It's kind of like we weave this what we do into who we are thing in this culture. And Jesus is saying, what you do, what you have is not who you are. You're loved by me. You're, you're called according to, to my name and my purposes. And what I have for you is actually greater than what you have. So that's what he's saying here. And, and it's so sweet because he cared enough to confront him. He called him up to the potential that he should have had. And so when we talk to somebody, we need to have this in mind. Looking at the man in verse 21, this is, my, this is my favorite verse in this whole passage. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus felt genuine love for him. So when we, before we even think about how we're going to approach a situation that we know we need to approach, a conflict we know needs resolved. That's the motivation. Do we actually act out of love? Or are we acting out of how we think things should be? How I think that person should act. How I think my, my husband should, should clean the toilets. Or how I think my wife should be always the one doing the dishes. Or why don't we operate first out of genuine love for somebody. That's the main takeaway. And so he called him up to his potential. Continuing on, it says, there is still one thing you haven't done, Jesus told him. Go and sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. See, Jesus applies the truth which reveals the man's value. The value system of what he had was who he was. Because basically Jesus is saying, okay, get rid of that thing that you know isn't you. That you know is defining you. And that's, our, that's Jesus' message to us this morning too. If there's something we're valuing over our relationship with God or something that we've had that we really liked at first and then like it kind of wove into who we are, or someone that we have that kind of, you know, we really liked at first, but now we're more concerned about pleasing the person instead of pleasing God. One of the things that I think we actually really need to deal with is how we're addicted to people's praise as opposed to addicted to how Jesus sees us and, and speaks to us and values us. We're so often, because so, your joy depends on your priorities. If my priorities are, is other people's praise, think guess what's going to go up and down when people aren't giving me praise or when people are giving me praise. It's a value system. God's challenging that value system today. Your joy depends on your priorities. And so this is, mm, this is, this is a great point, this next point. I'm not going to lie. This was 100% from the Holy Spirit. He said this, choose eternal gain over temporary pain. That is worth your gas money coming to church this morning. Choose eternal gain over temper. That is something you could apply in literally so many situations of your life. Jesus looked at the man and loved him. He looked at him and said, that his potential could be so much. And I'm going to step over a little bit of pain that I might cause him and a little bit of awkwardness in a conversation in order to call him to where he, I know he needs to be. And so when you're confronting somebody in your life, I've always found from somebody who's conflict avoidant 
that once you just start, it's just easier to, 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 to have the conversation once you start it. It's really hard to get to the starting line. But once you start, it's just a lot easier to go with it. And so like some, maybe some practical tips for you are just to start with asking questions instead of um, saying, you know, why did you do this? And maybe instead of why, ask, um, uh, help me understand your reasoning behind or um, uh, what's a good one? Repeating things back to one another in, in a heated situation, it kind of slows down. I hear you saying this. This is my response to that. It kind of slows down a heated argument that you might be having. Um, what are some, some other ones? Those are just some things that I found really work in, in my life. But it all stems from having genuine love for the other person. That's what it all stems from, having genuine love. And Jesus, he actually chose eternal gain over temporary pain when he went to the cross and died for us. He chose the eternal gain of having an unhindered relationship with us over the temporary pain of going to the cross and going through torture and going through ridicule and dying on the cross. When he was perfect, he didn't deserve to die, but he still did it so we can have a relationship with him. He stepped over the temporary pain in order to have a relationship with us. One of my absolute favorite verses in the whole Bible, Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. It wasn't the honor of others, the praise of people. It was the joy that we could spend eternity with him. That he went to the cross. It was the joy that we could have an unhindered relationship with Jesus Christ. That he went to the cross. And so this morning, if you are sitting here today and you're thinking, I want to experience I want to have that relationship with Jesus, that, that unhindered access to my heavenly father, the one who created you and the whole universe. If you want to have that, it is amazingly easy and super simple. All you have to do is believe it, confess your sins and believe it. That's it. And Jesus wants to, to heal you. He wants to be in your life. He might, might not make your life better, but he will give you ways to live your life. And so today we have a it's a baptism Sunday. And so if you are ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, uh, uh, showing you what the change on the inside to everyone else on the outside, showing the change that Jesus Christ did in your heart to him and before others, today is your day. We have the tank full. We are ready to baptize you. If, if you're ready to be baptized this morning, choose eternal gain over temporary pain. And so Jesus, when he, when he dealt with this person, he didn't just deal with, you know, oh, it sounds like you have an idols issue. Your money is, you should probably get rid of that. It's really taking the place of me. It was actually a lot deeper than that. He just touched on the person's value system and said, you need to value a relationship with me more than anything. And that's Jesus' challenge to us this morning. Are you truly valuing a relationship with him more than anything else? The, the series we're in is called Spirit-Led Relationships. Like, are you truly 
ready to have spiritual, the first step of spirit-led relationships is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because then, as Jesus Christ gets in your life, he helps you have better relationships and more spirit-led relationships with others. He's the first spirit-led relationship. Jesus dealt with the root of the issue. And point number three, deal with the root instead of fixing the fruit. Worship team, deal with the root instead of fixing the fruit. See, we try, we just, we try to get everybody else to believe that we are okay. That's our whole thing in life. I just want everybody to know that I'm doing okay with my life. So you ever, you ever go to grandma's house and um, she had the, the, the fruit on the coffee table and then you try to take a bite and then it's actually a piece of wood. You know what I'm talking about? It looked good. Didn't taste good, but it looked good. And so, some, some, so many times in our life, we try to, we produce fake fruit. Like just the kind, just to make everybody else think that we're doing okay on the inside, I'm going to make everybody else believe that I'm doing fine. But in reality, it's so much of a deeper rooted issue than that. Jesus dealt with the root instead of trying to fix the fruit. Today, this morning, Jesus Christ wants to not only just touch your your issue, he wants to call you up to his value system to the way that he values you, the way that he sees you, the way that that we should be in a relationship with him, that's what he wants for all of us this morning. An unhindered relationship with Jesus Christ, the son of God, the one who created everything. That's what we have as an option this morning. But I'm telling you, it's an option. You can still go throughout your life pretend like everything's okay. Yeah, I don't think I need that Jesus thing. Uh, uh, he's a good guy and yeah, I believe in God, but I'm not really sure how, he, how he's like infecting in my life or I don't, I, you know, whatever. Je- no. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. Life to the full. So really, we're kind of living life when we don't live life with Jesus or when we pretend to live life with Jesus. We're kind of living life but it's not really the life that we had. And let me care enough to confront you this morning. It's time that you get your relationship with Jesus Christ right, right now. Stop dealing with the fruit of your life. Stop pretending like that relationship is okay when it's really not. Deal with the root. Deal with the root. There are some deep-rooted issues that potentially could be causing you to pretend like everything's okay. Jesus doesn't want your facade. (laughs) Jesus wants your heart. And it's okay to give Jesus your heart because he created you and he already knows everything in there. It's okay because... All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm done running away from you. I'm ready for a relationship with you. And I promise you that Jesus, as you die to yourself and live for him, will be amazingly present in every part of your life. 
He will be, he will give reason to the things that you're trying to figure out why is happening. He, he, will, he will give purpose to, to the pointless routine of your life. He will give strength to weariness. He will give joy to depression. He will give purpose to worthlessness. Jesus called you something so much greater than what you think of yourself. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to not only know Jesus, to be transformed by him. This morning, like I said before, is a baptism Sunday. And if you have never been baptized, baptism really just symbolizes your life being changed. When you go, it's, it's not, you're, you don't have to do it to be saved, but it just symbolizes what happens when you were saved. You, went, you go down in the water as a symbol of your life dying, your own life your selfish desires, your selfish motives dying. And when you're raised up out of the water, that symbolizes a new life that you have with Jesus Christ. Well, let me read this verse to you. I read it in the first service. It's so good. Titus 3, 4 says, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sin, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. He saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy towards us. I just want to give you, again, as we're, we're going to go into a song right now, but if you at any point during this song, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the front, if you if at any point during the song you're like, I think I need to get serious about my relationship with Jesus and, and become baptized please come to me and we'll baptize you on this spot. Like Christy said, we have everything you need. Clothes, everything. Towel. So, why don't we just take this opportunity and just pray. Would you just pray with me this morning? This afternoon? God, I just thank you so much. Lord, that you showed us mercy when we didn't deserve it. Lord, you took the death that we actually deserved. Because you're the one thing, you're the one person that was perfect who didn't deserve death, but you became death so we can have life. Lord, and you rose from the dead so that we can be eternally with you, starting whenever, whenever. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. It's only by you that we live. It's only by you that we breathe, move, and have purpose. It's only because of you, Jesus, that we can have access to our Heavenly Father.
Lord, thank you so much for what you've done for us. God, it's your breath in our lungs. It's the one, you're the one who gives life to us. You're the one who gives hope. You're the one who gives restoration. You're the one who gives value. You're the one who gives hope. You're the one who gives love. God, we just thank you for that today. Why don't you just stand up on your feet? We're about to enter into a time of worship. Again, I'm going to be right here if you need 